It's Wednesday, October 24th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill and joining me in studio today from Motley Fool Asset Management, Tony Arsta, and from Motley Fool Inside Value, Joe Maker. Good to see you guys. Ooh, Tony, Tony's, coming upstairs. Tony, coming upstairs. Out of the dungeon. That's right. We, we, finally, we finally lit the him up. The man is unchained basically, Tony. Basically, Tony, who is not only one of our stars at Motley Fool Asset Management, he's also a regular listener to Market Foolery. It basically took several months of Tony just saying, ah, I can't believe what, what those guys were saying about Company X. So, so anyway. Well, I'm thrilled you're here. Uh, I don't have to criticize you off air now. That's right. You can do it right to his face. Uh, we, earnings Palooza rolls on. We've got earnings from restaurants, Netflix. We will, as promised, talk about Apple's event yesterday. But we are going to start with Facebook. Uh, and good news, the rare bit of good news, uh, shares of Facebook up more than 20% this morning. The company posted a loss in the third quarter, but Tony, revenue was up 32%, and dare I say, they appear to be actually making money on mobile. Uh, they're making revenue on mobile. I'm not sure what the uh, the profit line is yet there, but uh, the, the real story with mobile is that they're paying attention to it now, and that's something that wasn't happening a few quarters ago. Uh, two quarters ago, there was basically zero revenue for mobile. Now it's up to $150 million, which is about 10% of their overall revenue. Uh, analysts love that because up until now, they had no indication that, that Facebook could make money on mobile. Uh, it just kind of shows you how, how analysts are looking at the short term and not really focusing on the business. Uh, mobile is a growing industry. The ad revenue, as we've seen from companies like Google, uh, there, there's still a lot of room to grow in, in mobile ads. Uh, Facebook is just releasing new products now, so it'll take some time to play out and see how uh, what what the long term profitability can be there. So, if analysts were essentially had if they had zero expectations or maybe really really low expectations, well, it was, it was right. selling at nine and a half times sales going into this announcement. So there yeah. were still some pretty good expectations. But but just in terms of the mobile, if 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 analysts were s- stepping back and essentially saying, okay, prove it to us that you can make money, and now Facebook has. And we've seen the pop in the stock today. Does that now raise the bar to an unreasonable limit for Facebook, or is this just something where they just they just need to show that they can keep improving on this number? It's questionable what reasonable is, but if you back out the mobile, so so Facebook beat estimates for revenue pretty handily this quarter, but if you back out mobile, their revenue their ad revenue actually declined from last quarter, okay. uh, just on PC ads. So mobile is the only uh, story that people are interested in right now, and that's enough to send the stock flying today. Joe, what did you think? Because I know you watch Google very closely, and certainly they... As, as we've talked, Tony, by the way. As, yeah. as we've talked about, you know, Google uh, has been very upfront about sort of the money that they make from mobile is, is less. Uh, but what did you think when you looked at Facebook's quarter? Well, I thought it was relatively good. I mean, this was the first quarter in a while where revenue didn't just decelerate hard year over year. It was relatively constant moving quarter over quarter, which is good. Um, one thing, I'm not surprised that they surprised with mobile. And the reason is, as a user, I have definitely noticed a lot more ads yeah. jam-packed into Facebook and the yep. mobile experience to the point where I find it relatively obnoxious and just can't <laughs> write past it. But no, I wasn't surprised to hear that they made more money on it. Now, whether they can keep that up and get advertisers to pay for it is a different question. Where is Zynga in all this? Because once upon a time, Zynga represented a... Crying in the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Zynga, a year or two ago, made up a decent chunk of their revenue. Yeah, Zynga has gone uh, from close to 15% of revenue a little over a year ago down to 7% this last quarter. And uh, they're, they're doing poorly. Uh, yesterday, during the Apple presentation, they they 
fired 5% of their workforce and shut down. Wait a minute. While the event was going on? They That's just, the new way to right. fire people. <laughs> just wait for Apple to have an event. They event. were hoping yeah. no one would notice, yeah. Well, sorry, we noticed. Sorry, Zynga. Yeah. yeah. So they release earnings today. That'll be uh, very interesting to watch. Uh, if by interesting you mean train wreck interesting, then... Not then, interesting for them, interesting for me. <laughs> um, just to wrap up on Facebook stock, as I mentioned, shares up about 20% this morning, and yet you look over the last three months, shares still down about 15%, still well below the IPO. Where do you come down on this stock right now, having seen that they can make some money off of mobile. Is, is, is this, uh, does this interest you? Is it a buy? What do you think? If you bought this near the IPO, it's always been a long-term story. You're looking at this company out five or ten years, not how much profit can they make this year or next year. And nothing's really changed in that, in that regard. The users are still there. Uh, the story is basically how much revenue per user can they continue to generate and how, how quickly can that grow. Yeah, I mean, it's a very dear price. <clears throat> it's like 10.5 times sales right now, and Google is 4.5. So you better see some awesome growth for a long time to justify this price. Or have a really tong- long time horizon. Well, yes, but there are probably easier <laughs> ways to make money than buying stocks, selling at 10.5 times sales. Uh, we have a tale of two restaurants. Shares of Buffalo Wild Wings down 11% this morning after earnings came in lower than expected, and the company lowered guidance. Panera Bread, on the other hand, up 6% after third quarter earnings beat expectations, and the company raised guidance. Um, is, this, is this just a great quarter for Panera, or is, are they doing something right that Buffalo Wild Wings isn't? Well, Buffalo Wild Wings isn't uh, doing uh, food pricing right. Uh, that's hard to control when you have so much of your food cost in chicken wings, which are always volatile. But uh, Buffalo Wild Wings had 25% revenue growth over last year, but their food cost was up 40%. Uh, if you compare Buffalo Wild Wings and Panera, they both had roughly the same uh, same store sales increases. Uh, great numbers for both companies, but the cost at Buffalo Wild Wings was just a little out of control. I guess I never thought of chicken wings being volatile in terms of their pricing. I mean, is, is they're that, very volatile. Is, yeah. I mean, so yeah. like part of what's going on here, if you're if you're looking at these two stocks, part of your calculus has to be: yes, they're both restaurant stocks. Yes, they're both sort of in that fast casual group. But one of them has input costs that are a lot more steady than the other. Is that fair to say? I think that's a big part of it. Uh, yeah. Panera obviously has a lot of wheat and other uh, costs like that, but and uh, coffee, which is pretty sustainable and fat margin. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it, when you look out sort of across restaurant stocks in general, because we, we saw with Chipotle when they reported earnings, same sort of thing. Obviously, they, chicken is one of their input costs. Um, is Panera sort of the outlier in this group, or is, is this going to be, as we've sort of seen through this, this earnings season, um, it, it kind of depends. I was talking with our producer, Matt Greer, this morning about just if you step back and look at the bellwethers, the quote unquote bellwethers that have reported over the last couple of weeks, it depends on which bellwether you want to uh, you know hang your hat on. Some of them have done horribly and leads to people on CNBC going, "Oh, this bodes terribly for the economy." And then today you've got you know Boeing and Lockheed Martin doing well and raising guidance, and then it's then it's like, "Oh no, no, everything's fine." Um, when you look at re- the universe of restaurant stocks, wh- where does Panera fit in all of that? Somewhere somewhere between Starbucks and Chipotle in the sense that they have like an everyday, somewhat of an everyday customer base, but also kind of a little bit upscale. And, you know, like I don't go to Panera every day. I do go to Starbucks every day. Mm-hmm. So somewhere kind of in that stratosphere, both on mix and on valuation. And that's a big reason Panera is up so much today is it's really just going back to where it was a week ago. 
uh, prior to Chipotle and McDonald's having poor results. So the fact that Panera wasn't as bad as everyone else has sent the stock back to where it had been recently. Third quarter earnings from Netflix came in better than expected, uh, but Joe, still 88% lower than a year ago, and maybe not surprisingly, shares down about 14% this morning. Um, Netflix, longtime recommendation and stock advisor. By the way, I think every stock we're talking about today is is recommended by at least one service here at The Motley yeah. Fool. So it's a, it's a very, for our, for our dozens of listeners who happen to be members uh, of our premium services, um, you know, we're, we're touching on, on all services here, um, or certainly all recommendations. Um, what do you think when you look at Netflix's quarter? What stood out to you? Well, it's tough when you're stock is dropping 15% a day, and it's tough to justify anything good coming out of that. But I think bulls and bears will read different things into this quarter. I think bulls will say, well, um, we knew that it was going to be a tough quarter. We know that international is going to be a tough slog. Uh, When you look through into some of the metrics that Netflix presents, some of them look pretty good. Uh, Users are watching 30% more film than they were a year ago, which definitely suggests people are getting more bang for their buck out of the service. On the other hand, you've got Reed Hastings basically copying to a forecasting error mm-hmm. and saying that was why they fell short of their previous guidance. And, you know, when you hear things like forecasting error in the context of the Quickster debacle and how they've managed their capital and right. purchases, definitely disappointing and, you know, understandable that the market had a rough response to that. Uh, Tony, uh, when you look at the universe of online video, Amazon Prime is out there. Hulu is out there. It's it's kind of amazing that about a year or so ago, one of the stories we were talking about in here was Hulu looking to put itself up for sale. Um, and at that time, Netflix was certainly riding high, both in terms of the you know the company image, in terms of their operations, and certainly in terms of their stock. And now it seems like the playing field is is if not completely level, a lot more. I mean, let's be clear: Netflix is still the leader in the category. But it no longer seems like a done deal that, that Amazon Prime and Hulu can't compete. Right. Well, Hulu hasn't really changed much in the last year, but Amazon Prime has been adding a lot of content. Uh, Epics, which used to be exclusive to Netflix, is now also on, on Amazon Prime, which gives you access to things like Thor, Iron Man 2, Rango, a bunch of popular movies. Uh, there's also HBO is, is another interesting uh, company to watch. Netflix just launched service in in the Nordic countries, Denmark, uh, Finland, nearby countries. And that also happens to be where HBO is about to launch its first standalone service where you don't need a cable provider. You can just buy HBO directly. So that'll be an interesting battleground to see how many people are watching HBO. Yeah, and I would happily pay up for HBO. I was just going to say. I'd be thrilled. I would absolutely do that. And to the extent that anyone uh, at the the corporate parent is thinking about spinning off HBO as its own public company, I... Am I right? It just seems like that's along with in the way that ESPN is just this cash machine for Disney. I feel like HBO is 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 the same way. And if if that got spun off, it would just I don't know make money hand over fist. It's kind of a classic innovators dilemma almost, in that they're basically having to battle between milking the cash cow of working with cable now and then going direct to consumer. So they don't want to upset the great deal they've got domestically, but. You know, if they wait too long and they let Netflix and Amazon and, and Hulu get too entrenched, they'll definitely have left money 
on the table in the long term. But I, I also think there's a management style difference going on with HBO in terms of their programming and sort of traditional network television, ABC, CBS, NBC, You mean Fox. that it's good? <laughs> well, not so much that, but it just seems like when you know when you read the stories about sort of how programming decisions get done, and yes, I get that on HBO, you can have profanity, you can have violence that you can't have on networks. Like I get that there's that, but at the same time, it just seems like, um, kind of like other great companies, there's a higher level of trust. So at HBO, they're basically going to individual people and saying, "What is your vision for a television show?" Okay, great, we're going to back it completely. And so you know, whether it's Aaron Sorkin with the newsroom, they're basically just betting on one person. And, and their vision and saying, we're going to back you. Whereas it just seems like with network television, almost if there's a successful show, it's almost by accident. It's, yeah, you know, it's really just a numbers game. Like we're going to pi- we're going to pilot all these shows. Something will stick. The rest of you, thanks for coming, but you're fired. Um, obviously not a great day for Netflix shareholders today. When you look out over the next year or so, what is what is sort of a key metric or a key number that you think people should watch when it comes to Netflix and its performance and sort of judging how it's doing as a company? Well, the, the revenue has been growing decently for Netflix. They did come in well short of, of the user growth that they've been predicting. But to me, the interesting thing is the content cost. Uh, their revenue is growing, but there's no profitability there. I don't care how many users they get and how much revenue they get if the content costs continue to rise. And I don't see any indication that that will change. You agree with that, Joe? I do, and I think the big issue might be they have to do a big equity raise at some point in order to help pay for that, and that would be very dilutive and unfortunately at a price well, well below you know prices they were buying the stock mm-hmm. back. And Netflix is doing more original programming coming up in the next year, and there's a, a very heavy upfront cost for that. On Tuesday, Apple unveiled the iPad Mini at a press event. Uh, it features a 7.9-inch screen, which is larger than the 7-inch tablets offered by Google and Amazon. It also comes, Joe, with a price tag of $329. Certainly, there were some people on Wall Street who were surprised by that price tag. Were you? I was. I was <clears throat> thinking a little more 299 because... You know, $29 or $30 isn't that big a deal in the grand scheme of things, but psychologically, it's a very big difference when you're dealing, your primary competitors are the Kindle uh, from the Kindle Fire HD from Amazon and the Nexus 7 from Google that are at a roughly $199, $329 sounds a lot more. But while my first impression was that was not a smart move, I've kind of warmed up to it a little bit. I think they'll be able to push through plenty of volume on people and ultimately, you know, they don't want to fan the flames of a price war, and they also don't want to have a lot of cannibalization going on, people trading down from a $500 iPad to a 299 one. That's a real, you know, punch in the gut. So, you know, it's kind of a, a Me Too offering. It's not going to be a leader for them. Uh, one other thing that just jumped out at me was kind of thinking about the history of Apple and how, you know, when Steve Jobs came back, one of the things that I think really helped spark the turnaround was focus. And just saying, right. we're they only going to zoom they, in. They had all these products, and he he basically shut down a whole bunch of them. Right. And yesterday, I just looked at the iPad page, and you got three different iPads at 14 different price points. So it's interesting to kind of watch the creep going on at Apple in terms of features and products and price points, and you wonder if they're, at some point, losing a little bit of focus. Tony, you said before we started taping today that one of your impressions from the event was you didn't really get the sense that that when the presentation was going on and when the guy's holding up the iPad mini, 
that they were really trying to sell it, that they were really trying to say, this is amazing and you need to get this. Yeah, I think Apple would much rather take $500 from you for a, a full-size iPad rather than 329 for this iPad mini. And during the presentation, they basically were spending no time talking about the device itself and why you want it. It was a comparison of the iPad mini to the Google Nexus 7. And like Joe said, it's basically a Me Too product trying to, to align them with the competition because people that are not buying a 10-inch iPad are buying the 7-inch Android devices. They're not buying the 10-inch Android devices. Yeah, I think the buyer for this product is the person who goes into the Apple store around the holidays and they're blown away, but then they see the price tag on the iPad and they're like, you know, I can't afford $499, but $329, that I can talk myself into doing. And I think that's the customer they're going after. What do you think the reaction was at Amazon headquarters and Google headquarters when the price tag gets revealed and it's three twenty nine because my my assumption is that there was a sigh of relief at both places. Yeah, I think so. I would have been if I was Jeff Bezos, I would have definitely been spooked if they came out at like two forty nine, for mm-hmm. example, which would have been very aggressive and probably not a smart move for pricing for Apple, but definitely a very serious contender. So, do you on- think that that is Apple's way of saying at least for now? We're not going to try and play that game. We're going to if if Amazon and Google want to get sort of the quote unquote low end of the tablet market, we're going to let you have that, and we're just going to play in a different price zone. Yeah, I think that's a good long term strategy for them too. And remember, they can always cut prices. But if they came out at two ninety nine, it would have been awful difficult to Mm -hmm. ultimately jerk that back up. Yeah, it looks like gross margins for the iPad Mini will be roughly the same as the iPad. So Apple's playing its own game. Uh, Google has an, an event coming up next week, and there's already rumors that they'll be cutting the price of their tablet to, I've heard rumors, as low as $99. So That's a competitive price. There will be price wars, but Apple doesn't want any involvement in that. Where do you suppose Microsoft is in all of this with the Surface tablet? And, and, and to what extent, if any, does yesterday's event that Apple did uh, change the thinking or affect the thinking and the pricing of the Surface tablet uh, for Microsoft? I don't know. It doesn't help. I mean, realistically, I think the Surface is going to have the same fate that Windows or the Microsoft has had on mobile with smartphones. You know, it gets great reviews. I think everyone is impressed with the Surface, but there's not really an app ecosystem around that, so it's something consumers probably aren't going to get that excited about. I love the Office integration, but you know, realistically, I'm not building you know, PowerPoints and doing Excel models and writing articles on my tablet, so it's not a huge selling point for me. Mm-hmm. And Apple, I'm, I'm sorry, Microsoft won't be competing on price with the Surface, but there are other manufacturers that will be making Windows tablets. So that's where you'll see the price competition is these uh, third-party manufacturers with cheaper products. Okay, so for for all the tablets we've talked about, Amazon, Google, Apple, Microsoft, um, just to wrap up on this topic and the podcast, um, which one will you be buying me for the holidays, Joe? I'll give you a high five. <laughs> <laughs> if I if I just gave you, you know, if, if someone subsidized, if our producer Matt Greer had said, "Here's you know, here's two hundred dollars, go ahead and buy one," would you just get me the low end, or or would you pony up some of your own dough for the iPad Mini? I'd, I'd get you the low end. Okay, <laughs> and pocket the rest. Yeah. Tony, you go in that for, for two hundred. I might get you the seventy nine dollar Kindle. 
Wow. Wow. <laughs> Tony going cheap, which means I don't know if Tony's going to be making a second appearance on Market Forward. Uh, Tony, Joe, thanks for being here, guys. Thank you. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and the Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's it for this edition of Market Foolery. Our producer is Matt Greer. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow. So I think we should use this for the outtake, but I would like our listeners to know that I am not dying. <laughs> um, we've received a lot of emails got- from listeners, and I, I appreciate that. Um, <clears throat> I really do. I, I don't know what is wrong with my throat. I've been seeing doctors, and we're working on it. But thank you for the notes. I'm sorry. I know it's it's distracting. It's distracting for me, too, to cough all the time. But thank you for the Thank you for the interest. On the one I hand, I do genuinely appreciate. On the it. one hand, it's—I mean—it's nice that people care that much, and and they are concerned. Emails—they're like, what, "What's they going are. on with Joe's voice?" It also keeps me from getting on too big a roll. <laughs> <laughs> on, on, on the other hand, it's—it's uh, yeah, it's a problem. <laughs> <laughs>